Pacino. I'm Laura and I know nothing about Al Pacino. I'm Maddie and I know too much about Al Pacino. And today we are saying hello to our little podcast and we're talking about Scarface. Scarface. We're talking about Scarface. Tell me about Scarface, Maddie. What's Scarface about? God, what isn't Scarface about? Okay, Scarface is from 1983. It's directed by Brian De Palma and it stars Al, Stephen Bauer, Michelle Pfeiffer and Mary Elizabeth Master Antonio. And Al plays a Cuban immigrant who came to Miami during the boat lift and works his way up through the ranks of Miami gangsters until he becomes a drug lord and there's a lot of machine guns and I think it's terrible and everyone else thinks it's good. <laughs> <laughs> and, and this week we are joined by a dear friend of the podcast, Kieran. Hello, I wonder when, when you were going to mention that. <laughs> <laughs> we have to do the whole spiel first. Okay, okay, okay. I was already to say, and I'm Kieran, and I know a middling amount of information about <laughs> Al Pacino. <laughs> medium, medium Al Pacino. Medium yeah. Al. And also, I'd like to say before we start that I feel very privileged to have been present at. Is it fair to call it to call it the inc- sort of the inciting incident of this podcast, when which was, was that? it was you seeing the Irishman for the first oh, time. Oh, of course. Oh! Which I was sitting right next to you for three and a half hours plus. Yeah, getting our knees just absolutely ruined sitting in the like GFT. Like never had a sorer arse than that than after that. To be honest, but it was it was a good experience. Yeah. Oh, that's so wonderful! The birth of like a a fandom, Maddie. Like exactly. Yeah. A love was born. (laughs) I didn't know this was that was that was how it all started until I heard it on on this podcast. I thought you were probably into him before that. <laughs> no, no, that was it. That was the one. I mean, it was kind of like that, and then getting into the kind of seventies after that. I think like it was kind of it wasn't like immediately like I love Al Pacino from The Irishman, but I think I went to like Robert De Niro and then I like eased my way into Pacino. But yeah, you pivoted. Yeah. That's so I rude. Pivoted. <laughs> Poor Bobby. <laughs> pivoted. It's not his most shining performance in The Irishman. No, but I think he's fun in it. I mean, he's no Pesci, he but... Ah, like, oh, you know. Pesci. My oh. God. <laughs> what a man. Uh, this is not a podcast about The Irishman, though. Not yet. not yet. Not yet. I mean, it is sort of. It's like the kind of the whole podcast is about The Irishman, but like... <laughs> this week, it's not about The Irishman. No, this week it's about Scarface. It is. And I really enjoyed this movie because I'd never seen I'm the only one of us who hasn't seen it before. Uh, and I had truly no idea what to expect because there's so much. It's kind of the same thing we have when we spoke about The Godfather where there's this just like huge kind of cultural thing around this movie in a way that yeah. can be kind of off-putting, I think. You know, it's the like dorm room poster movie, you know? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Along with the Pulp Fiction poster, they're like staring at each other across the... Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) And I feel like with with films that have this much of a just cultural presence, when you haven't seen them before and you feel like you've possibly missed missed your, your chance to see it at the best age, you almost don't want to 
I don't know, it's strange when you do eventually watch them and then the sort of sprawling nature of them goes away and you're like, the film ends and you go, oh, okay, so that's what Scarface is. Like, I saw Jaws for the first time uh, two weeks oh, ago. I love Jaws so much. <laughs> and then it ended. And I was like, oh, that's what Jaws is then. Okay, yeah. it just ends. <laughs> yeah, especially because it like yeah, launched blockbusters. Exactly. You're like, yeah, Jaws is great. Jaws is great. Jaws is great. And you know what? Scarface, pretty good. It's pretty mm-hmm. good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Scarface sucks. Yeah. I'm here no. to make a stand. <laughs> oh, it's just going to be a nightmare episode. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I like it. I'm going to stick my neck out and see what I, I like it. I like it too. I think it's really fun. I think it's just like, it's such a gonzo campy like unhinged movie i just really enjoyed it i just think it's sort of silly it's just it's so easy to watch as a pantomime 100 percent, yeah i and i really wasn't expecting that i was sort of like you know again like the kind of cultural imagery you know the like mountains of cocaine and like that sort of you know the way that it's been like incorporated into narratives and things you know like you sort of you you know like the end of the movie but there's all this kind of stuff in between and it's like (laughs) it's just so silly and like so huge and like ridiculous and it yeah it's just bananas i really enjoyed it i really really enjoyed it how because of how much it is you know Mm -hmm. and you did not I watched it with friends last night because, and partly I was like, oh, maybe this will help. Like, maybe if I watch it with people, like, and they enjoy it, then, like, I'll get more. But they didn't like it either. So it was just, like, all three of us, like, in front of Netflix and, like, pausing it every so often. And we're like, oh, Jesus, there's another hour and a half left. Like, how is this movie the longest thing in the world? And I love long movies, but, oh, Jesus. I just, I find this movie so uninteresting and, like boring which is kind of a crazy take when it's like insane but like i just i just get nothing out of it i don't know there's just nothing in there for me i don't think and like the characters kind of suck and like i don't love the production design even though it's obviously like a statement and stuff like that like i think the stuff that like makes it good to people i don't enjoy enough for it to kind of outweigh the stuff that annoys me about it but yeah i mean we can get into it but it flew by. It was two two and a half yeah. hours, like barely noticed. Had a wonderful oh, time. Oh, it's much more than two and a half. <laughs> two hours fifty. Yeah, almost like, three. I, yeah, it's almost three. I I, I feel like smooth sailing. It, me watching over three days in the past three days did help. Oh sure. But yeah. I just didn't really want it to end that much. It just felt t- entirely comfortable just sitting in this insane plasticky. I love 80s it. I love world. it. It's so disgusting. And fittingly, I think it's it is Pacino that that, that yep. ties it all together for me. I just love watching him as this ridiculous character. I love. Character. No, he I love perfect. him. He is perfect for the character, at least. I think he's terrible. Maddie, he's so good. I think he's <laughs> so terrible. In There's nothing going on. Are you kidding? There is so much going on. There is the most going on that has ever been going on. No. I mean, like, there's no... He's not a character. He's not interesting. He's, just he's like, so interesting. He's just like an arm of the... I have quotes from Pauline Kael saying not that he's up to this movie. <laughs> oh, my God. 
obviously not a fan of Pacino, which is probably the, the problem here. But like, you know, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't want to like sit here and be like the person who's like, this sucks. Because I completely understand that this is like a hugely culturally important movie and like people love it. And I get why people love it because it has some, it like looks like a movie that would be fun, but it just isn't for me at all. I don't know. It just doesn't work. Uh, <laughs> I love it. I- Everything about it, I'm just like, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> Well, should we do a little bit of um, background info on it, and then that's, that's, then we'll yeah, get, we'll let's get do some it. context. Okay. Thanks for steering the show, <laughs> Karen. <laughs> I'm just like, let's just get into it. I yeah, I have I have owl notes, I have department notes, I have production notes. I don't know what we wanna what we wanna let's do start production. with. I mean, I heard that Al is the one that started it after he saw the original. So it started out that he was doing. He was doing this Brecht play called, um, wait, where is it? A lot of, I'm going to talk about Brecht a lot today and I don't know anything about Brecht, which is great. Um, Arturo Ui? I don't know if I'm saying that right. The Resistible Rise of Arturo Ui? Anyway, um, which is like a kind of a gangster play. Like it's about gangsters, but it's like a thinly veiled metaphor for like the rise of Hitler, but it is a gangster play. And... Brecht was really interested in American gangsters as like a symbol and wrote about them a lot. And Pacino loves Brecht, like he talks about him all the time. Um, and that play, Arturo Ui, is, uh, I'm saying that wrong, I'm going to say that wrong five times. Anyway, um, is inspired by Richard III. It like says um. explicitly in the prologue that it's inspired by Richard III, which is like big Al vibes, like that's the stuff that he's into. Um, anyway. And he was like trying to see all of these 30s movies that inspired this play and couldn't find um, Scarface. And then he's in LA, like just driving around and he sees it playing in this kind of tiny theater in on Sunset Boulevard and goes to see this movie and is just kind of captivated by Paul Muni's performance in it. And um, just immediately is like, I want to do that. I want to do exactly that. Like I want to emulate that exact performance um, and brings it to... Marty Bregman, who he hadn't worked with for a while, but uh, came to him for this to produce it. And then Bregman called Lumet and Oliver Stone, I think. But then Brian De Palma tells a dick slightly different story, so we might get into that later. But um, yeah, and then Lumet had the idea to make it kind of a Cuban story and about the this immigration to Miami. And he was working on the verdict at the time, but he let Oliver Stone kind of go with that idea. And so Oliver Stone was writing that and researching that. But yeah, no, it, yeah, it just it started with like with that with with Pacino seeing this movie and just being like Paul Muni is this kind of great actor. But you saw the original, right, Kieran? I think you're the only one of us who's seen the original. I don't know if you want to like talk about the differences. Yes, I sought out the 1932 original, and uh, sorry to report that you did not say say hello to my little friend in <laughs> the Howard Hawks one, but. Um, is it, yeah, I, I, I did like the original one. It sort of comes together more in the second half, which I feel the opposite about um, this film. I think the first half of the Brian De Palma one is, is amazing, and then it pretty much just falls on its face after the, <laughs> the, the montage in the middle. I love the montage. <laughs> With that ridiculous yeah. 80s music. <sighs> oh, it's so good. Push it to the limit, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Oh, it's, it's so good. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's it's pretty much just your standard um, gangster film. It's like 
imagine, I don't know, the start of some like it hot and take out all the comedy and <laughs> and that's it. Um, and it's very sort of explicitly based on Al Capone's life, but they, they changed the names very slightly. And, um, and apparently Al Capone sent two people to the... Uh, the production, the the set of of this film to make sure that um, that they weren't making it about his life. And like, oh yeah, you know, Scarface. That's just uh, we just like the word, and uh, no, not at all. And they said, okay, I went away. That's it. Apparently, he loved it. Um, he loved the film. But I uh, I would rather watch the De Palma one again just because there's more colours. <laughs> <laughs> Kira goes out as anti black and white oh, on the podcast. Oh, that's a, yeah, that's a bombshell. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely not. Yeah, see, I'm, I'm interested. To, I would like to see it at some point, just mm-hmm. to kind of grasp what Al was like, so captivated by with it. The De Palma story about it, which I just, I just watched the documentary about him, which is really great. And he says that what happened was that he was working on Prince of the City, which Lumet ended up making with the writer David Rape. So he lost kind of control of Prince of the City and it went to Lumet. And De Palma kind of felt that he'd kind of stolen that movie from him. And then what he says is that Alan Bregman came to him and David Rape first. And then Rape quit, I think, because something to do with like Al being a pain, as usual. Um, <laughs> so, and then when Rape quit, De Palma also quit. And then it went to Lumet and Stone and they came up with the Cuban part and then Lumet wanted to make it into this kind of political story he wanted to talk about the CIA and their kind of impact on all of this he wanted to remove all the stuff with Tony's mother and the sister most importantly which I think would have been the right choice um, yeah me too <laughs> yeah I don't disagree yeah I either want less of that or I want like lots more of it do you know what I mean like I either want it to be like really important for the story like something like Obsession which is another department movie which is much better than this one um there's like a subplot about the like daughter not to spoil the movie for anyone but um there's some incest subplot in that but it's like vital to the plot of the movie so it works whereas this is kind of just like why is that in the movie but yeah, um, and yeah, so Lumet wanted this kind of more political, more, I guess, serious kind of thing. And he said, um, as it stood, it was a comic strip, which is kind of exactly how I feel about this movie. <laughs> I wouldn't disagree with that. Yeah, but I, I don't like it. And you, yeah, but um, I'm just like imagining what the Lumet version of this would be like. And I'm like, it would be so good. Like, I would love that movie. Like Al Pacino in like a CIA, like... That would be so great. You know what it would also be? No fun. It would be... Yeah, but I love no fun. No fun is my zone. <laughs> That's not true. Dog day's fun. Dog day's fun. Servico's fun. You can do fun. I'm thinking of but you can't do camp. if it was in the style of, like, network. Yeah. Right. yeah. Just, it, wouldn't, it wouldn't be Scarface anymore. No. no. Well, it wouldn't. It wouldn't be this movie. You but really I shouldn't. wouldn't prefer <laughs> not to be this movie. It would be too far from the original, I think which is really yeah, maybe. standard gangster. I guess Lumet's yeah. idea, like the kind of like setting it in the kind of Cuban Miami, like that was kind of him being like, maybe we should just make a movie about this, which like just make a movie about, it doesn't have to be Scarface, right? You can just make a movie about like, he could have made that like political CIA, whatever movie without having it be a remake of Scarface. Yeah. Like, if that's what he wanted to do. I think it's the, I think it's the best thing about the film, to be honest, the fact that they've transposed this because the Tony Camonte in the original is an Italian American, or Italian um, 
uh, immigrant slash refugee who claims to be a, a refugee, which is what which is what Pacino is Tony does, does as well. Um, in in New York during Prohibition and um, and he basically takes over the the beer business essentially he forces people to buy from him um, and I think transposing it to the eighties and making it about Cuban immigrants and and the sort of um, I do have a note about this the sort of illegal drug of the time which has gone from alcohol to cocaine yeah everything's got a sort of illegal substance that would ostensibly allow immigrants um, to an apparent sort of fast track to the top. Um, And I think that's Mm. a really great remake idea. Yeah, yeah. to make it modern. I read, um, you know, Hollywood from Vietnam to Reagan, the kind of like series of essays by Robin Wood. Um, He wrote one about De Palma. It doesn't really focus on Scarface, but it's really good anyway. It's mostly about like the kind of Freudian stuff in his movies. But um, talks about like, the fact that a lot of De Palma's movies are kind of not remakes, but I mean, obviously Scarface is a remake, but he made a few remakes like Phantom of the Paradise is like kind of a remake of um, Phantom of the Opera and like and said that it's not the same as remakes today because remakes today are just like that worked before and it's going to work again. Whereas the, the De Palma thing is like, OK, this is something that was interesting back then. How do we make it now? And so that it's like interesting now and change it up for like the current moment, whereas like when things are being remade now, it's just like, okay, we'll add, like, a gay character. And that's yeah. kind of, like, remaking it for the, the 21st century. And I'm like, great, thanks. I really appreciate it. I'm looking forward to the look of Gwen. You know yeah. where he's going. He just sends, like, he sends water pistol images <laughs> to his enemies. And that's how you know. It's written by the Coen brothers, though, which kind of bodes well. But then, oh, like, yeah. it's also just been, that movie's been through so many, like, I looked at that up and it's like, they started doing it in 2011 and there's just nothing's happened. Like, they started shooting and then they stopped yeah. shooting and I'm just like, yeah, like. And they said it was going to be out in cinemas in August 2018 and then that date just <laughs> passed without <laughs> any yeah. <laughs> announcement. Yeah, I feel yeah. like that's not coming anytime soon i don't think that that movie no, is gonna materialize in the in the future people are still watching scarface right it's not like scarface has kind of stopped being relevant mm. like it's still culturally extremely relevant like to remake something like that i mean like even because we were just talking about ghostbusters kind of but just like thinking about that like people aren't watching ghostbusters i think now as much as the extent as they are watching scarface even the godfather i think does not have as long of a tail as scarface does in the kind of popular culture like especially because of like the rap scene and stuff like that i mean we can get into that eventually but um yeah yeah like and video games and things like that yeah, they love Scarface. Like Jay Z loves Scarface. Oh God, loves Scarface. I'm sorry. Yeah. I thought you meant there was a scene where he rat <laughs> in Scarface, and I was like, did I miss that? <laughs> I mean, that would make it five stars. Like that's 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 it. Yeah. Like Dunkachino, but Scarface. I mean, please. Oh like, God. <laughs> oh my God. It's like cocaine. Just before driven. he starts to go downhill, he 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 makes a hip hop record. <laughs> Yeah, perfect, perfect. Okay. Paging Luca, that's Amazing. that's an idea for the next one. <laughs> Get Timmy in there doing his like. Uh, oh oh god, of course, Timmy um, Tim, little Timmy Tim. Anyway, what what were we talking about? Um, what was I going to say? Um, oh yeah, because I mean the thing about De Palma, right, is that like Hitchcock is his guy, right? Like so yeah, many yeah. of his movies are about like taking the Hitchcock kind of model of a thriller and like turning it into something else like I haven't seen 
Body Double but I read a great essay about great. Body Double today that was all kind of talking about like the subversion of uh, like re- it's Rear Window right like that's kind yeah. of what that movie is and um, yeah. I think it would make a lot of it makes a lot of sense for him to do a remake of you know Howard Hawks like it seems like he's pulling from the same kind of palette of influence you know in a way but this movie is so like it's like the most 80s movie I've ever seen which is crazy for a movie from 1983 like it feels like it's just like this is like the 80s you know like it's just disco and like coke and little suits and just madness (laughs) but I think it it transposes really well, I think. You know, I mean, I obviously haven't seen the original, but I feel like the period is so vital for this movie, I think. And so much of what it has to say is so, like, 80s capitalism, you know, it just, it all really ties together very nicely. Like, I'm not sure I would want to, I feel like Scarface kind of like a decade earlier or a decade later wouldn't have felt as kind of intrinsic to, like, what I think this movie is about, I suppose. You know, it feels such a, it's such a time capsule in a lot of ways, I think. Yeah, and w- watching this immediately, or the day after watching the, the, the 30s one, the, immediately the same, the, um, the feeling that you get is, oh, people just haven't changed in, 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 in 50 years, and people don't change. And there's a lot of, yeah, like police corruption, um, him posting huge bails in, in both films, and and uh, yeah, and I think that probably the the moment where he start his downfall begins is when he gets involved with the uh, with is it the FBI that come in and yeah I think it must be yeah or like the DEA or whatever yeah oh yeah well yeah when he gets involved with this like crooked police that's that's his mistake I think he should have stayed independent I think <laughs> <laughs> he sold out there you go should have listened to listen to the the lessons of Serpico um. I was going to say something. Yeah, I, just, I want to talk about De Palma, like, generally. I don't know if this is true. I don't know how many you've seen, Kieran, but I think I'm probably the person who's seen the... Yeah, I'm pro- the person who's seen the most De Palma movies here in... Like, four or five, maybe. I have seen this, I've seen Mission Impossible, and I have seen uh, Sisters. Oh, I love Sisters. Sisters Which was um, good fun. Sisters rules. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Sisters does rule. This is, like... <laughs> my least favourite De Palma movie by many, many miles. And I am interested in it as, like, one that he didn't write as much as, like, he kind of worked on it with people. Like, it's not his idea. It's He's for hire on this movie, right? Like, Al Pacino came to Marty Bregman and Marty Bregman came to De Palma and said, like, do you want to write this movie with us? And he was like, sure. And... It wasn't his idea to set it in Cuba, it wasn't his idea, you know, all of this kind of stuff, it wasn't from him. And I think, like, the De Palma movies that I like the best are the ones that are, like, his themes are just, like, being yelled at you from (laughs) every single, like, scene that you're in. Like, it's just voyeurism, it's just, like, overhearing things that happen to people, it's watching people, it's, like... There's a quote in that he something that he says in the documentary where he says that he used to follow his father around when he was cheating on his mother, and I'm like, oh yeah, there you go. That's just your entire filmography right there, like explained 100. Thank you. Um, but yeah, I mean, and I was just thinking about like this being in between. I think it's between Blowout and Body Double. Is it? I think. Yeah, Body Double. Yeah. yeah, and and Body Double is like not one of my favorites, but it's also good. But like Blowout is 
so great like it's so great and it made no money and like that's kind of the reason I think that he was willing to do something like this like he was just like okay big star it's kind of already ready for me like let's just do it um kind of comparatively minimal effort on his part compared to something like blowout but um yeah I don't know I just feel like it's missing for me it's missing the thing that I love about De Palma which is like his kind of touch on it like it doesn't really as much as it is that kind of maximalism and stuff that isn't actually what I think of when I think of De Palma like I do think he's generally more restrained than this and like more overt in his themes than this movie is and his characters are usually better than this like his female characters are usually really great and they're not in this and I just yeah I feel like it's missing his touch in like the writing side of it and I think that's what bothers me about it but one of the things that bothers me about it um, but yeah, I don't know. That's interesting. Yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't really feel like a couple of times when I was watching it, I was thinking that it doesn't feel like a a film by you know a contemporary of someone that stands alongside Scorsese and like earlier George Lucas. Mm. Um, is it? So yeah. it's the Palmas June, basically. <laughs> yeah, except that he does like. He does claim it. I don't know. I think this movie has more De Palma in it than you're giving it credit for. Like, I think, to me, the thing that speaks to its De Palma-ness, I suppose, is that I feel like it's a movie that's very much about, like, uh, being seen, in a sense. Like, I feel like it's, you know, you're sort of talking about how his movies are kind of about voyeurism, and I feel like this movie is kind of like... Like, the opposite of that. Like, you know, he's made Mm -hmm. all these movies about watching, and this movie is kind of about being watched, I think. Like, it's about performing and sort of about, Mm. you know, like, how you kind of... How Tony Montana essentially exists in the way that he does. It's so much about image and, like, artifice. And, you know, my favourite De Palma movie is probably Phantom of Paradise, and I think that movie is kind of very literally about performance, but... I think that it's it's so much about how this kind of idea of like the American dream and Americanism, you know, if you want to say that, is about like the presentation of Americanism rather than like, you know, actually be, you don't have to actually be American, you just have to kind of present yourself as American, you know, through these kind of jumping through these hoops and, you know, wearing the clothes and having the big houses. And I think that that's, you know, it's an interesting inversion of stuff, I think, that I've seen him do in the past, which has been more kind of about, you know, looking, I suppose, in a sense. Yeah, I feel like this movie is is so much about being looked at and, like, how you kind of hold yourself when you're, like, having... There's, like, eyes on you. And I think that's kind of why I like... Al's performance in it so much because I feel like this is him just going like absolutely ham basically just kind of fully leaning into sort of the more insane choices that he's made and doing it in an environment where it feels kind of like it makes sense I suppose you know I mean there's the whole like you know he should not be playing a Cuban person like let's just get that out of the way but his performance in this especially when I feel like he's been so muted in the last few movies that we've watched so 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 low-key and this is kind of you know really the opposite Mm -hmm. end of the spectrum for him and 
I don't know. I just really enjoyed it. Like, I, it was fun to kind of see him, I don't know, just, like, being silly. Like, I, I think that he's so funny in this movie, which is really interesting, and I kind of feel like I haven't... You t- we, we talk a lot about the fact that he kind of comes up in theatre and in comedy, and, like, this is kind of the first time I feel like, with maybe, with the exception of Dog Day Afternoon, I, I feel like he's been, like, doing jokes, you know? Doing bits. And that's kind of an interesting thing to observe. I'm so fascinated by our, like, completely disparate reactions to this movie. Because I don't laugh once in this entire movie. I don't find it in any way funny. It's so and, like, funny! I also do think, like, hearing you say that, I'm like, you're going to have a good time when we get to, like, the late 90s. Like, you're actually going to enjoy the bits where I'm going to be miserable because he's just yelling all the time. Because I do think that you could argue that this is the thing that kind of broke him. Like, this is the, the kind of... He does in in Sea of Love, which is in '89, like the movie he came back with. He's he is pretty. That's I like that. That's what I want him to be doing. He's kind of tired and he's kind of like, like downtrodden, but in like a really charming way. And I love that. That's what I want him to continue doing. But he doesn't. He does. He goes back to the kind of. I mean, but then the thing is, is that I love Heat, and he is kind of crazy in Heat. But he's crazy and he's tired. I like when he's tired. I like when he's like. Do you know what I mean? I feel like in this, like I think my problem with him in this is just the kind of like the character of Tony Montana. He's so like he's such an idiot in a way that I find like really difficult to deal with. Like I find it really difficult to watch someone who's just stupid. And like it feels like he's like the kind of gangster that like Michael and the Godfather would just step over, like, and it would be half a scene, and that would be the end of it. And I just find it so uninteresting. But also like. That kind of thing where he's just like, I don't know how to articulate it. Like, I feel like I enjoy him more when he's an underdog, when he's like on the back foot. And he is in some ways an underdog in this, but it's also just like everything sort of goes right for him. And then at the end, it all comes back to bite him. Like, he gets everything he wants and then that's the curse, which like, fine. But I don't think that Al has anything to play up until that point. Like, the only interesting acting choice he makes in the whole movie to me is when he like, realizes that he's just killed Manny and is and then like slumps down in his seat and I'm like oh great oh an acting choice from Al Pacino that's not just him pulling a horrible face and doing a terrible accent like I don't know he just I just don't think he's doing anything emotionally in this movie I guess is the problem for me I think really good uh wee man syndrome <laughs> yeah. the entire film <laughs> He's just so small, and especially yes. in the club scene where he tries to dance with Elvira, oh. he just can't dance. He just bounces about the place. Al can't dance. He that's really not even in the. T- that's just yeah. Al Pacino cannot dance. Oh yeah, like, yeah, 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 yeah. So I love it. It's like all in the arms. He's just like, yeah. It's so yeah. silly. I love it. I love it. I love it. And I love his like posture in the like back half of the movie. Like yeah. he's just like. Every chair looks like it's like three times bigger than he is. He's just like he's like slumped in everything. Like half of him is on the floor. Slumper, it's yeah. it's great. I just think he's like having fun. Al's like letting loose. You know, he's kicking back. I I think he should. You know, I don't get like any joy holiday. from it though. I think that's the thing. I don't feel that. I think I can sort of not relate to him, but the amount of. Um... Well, we were talking before about the, the the huge stretching influence that this film had. Over, I really think it's a whole just like subset of men who are almost basing their entire attitude off him. I don't want to, I mean, just restaurant jobs that I've had where people that work there really are just carrying themselves like him, 
and I feel like so many people have just forgotten the second half of this film. They've watched it and then they just remember when he's on the up at the start. And I mean, what I'm saying is that big, big, big colours are, I think, almost <laughs> yeah. coming back. It was. I think I think we should be embracing big collars and Hawaiian shirts. Like I think that's what we should all be like. I think we need to incorporate Scarface into our wardrobes, as you know. Uh, yeah, I I think yeah, big mafia suits should make a comeback. Do you think he wears vests? Vests under the suits. Good question. No. no, he seems no, like a vestless so. man. Because he's always open. He's always yeah, like, exactly. Yeah, yeah, you've got to like, you get your yeah, chest yeah, hair. Like, you've got to, yeah, yeah. <laughs> No, no, no. I feel like it's way too hot to be wearing a vest, you know? That's yeah, true. it is. It yeah, is. They're not in New York anymore. No, I do like that we kind of go to New York for a little bit at the end. And that's like where things get really like bad. It's like, oh, it's they've left Miami. Like things are going to go horribly wrong because they're on the East Coast. Like, God forbid. <laughs> is that when they go to blow up the, the guy's car? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Which that sequence is, anyway. Um. <laughs> Yeah, I want to actually just talk about because, uh, like, what you were saying, Karen, about people forgetting like the second half of this movie. I do think that is also part of my problem with this movie, which is that it hasn't really decided that Tony is a terrible character. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, it, it hasn't really gone in on him being a piece of shit and this being a mistake. Like all the stuff that he's doing, mm. and like I do think that that's Oliver Stone's fault. Like, I think De Palma is understands that. I think De Palma is like on it, but. The way that I've heard Oliver Stone talk about this movie is like, I relate to Tony Montana. <laughs> I wanted to like, everywhere I go, I want to make a statement. I want to make a like, I want to be the guy. Like every, and I'm like, this is the problem with this movie is that you think that Tony Montana is a hero and he is not a hero. Yeah, like, but wasn't he really struggling with cocaine addiction while he was writing it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, Oliver exactly. Stone is like the most coked out man in history. <laughs> like <laughs> Every script he hands in has just like, you know, smatterings of cocaine <laughs> over it. Like He actually, he quit while making this, like this was like his goodbye to cocaine. Like he had to write it in Paris because he couldn't quit in America. Like he, he had to kind of, do that tour that he did like checking out Miami and South America to do research for this movie and then he like quit coke and this was his like big farewell. Farewell to cocaine. Okay, I have a quote. If you really examine Scarface, it's very much a left-wing picture. Though Tony Montana espouses anti-communism, he's very much a rebel. Ultimately, he's undone by the establishment, which I don't think is true, but I do think it's interesting like this is kind of a, that kind of leftism that existed in the 70s of these Hollywood guys who were like, yeah, I'm anti-establishment, I'm anti-authority, but they don't have anything else. Like, they're just like, oh, I hate the man. Like, the man sucks. And I'm like, that's not really left-wing, though. That's just you being like, I don't get to succeed in this situation, so, like, that's bad. And it's not actually based on any kind of, like, what what actual left-wing politics are, which is, like, community and taking care of other people. Like, that's kind of the basis of it, right? To be, like, individualist and anti-establishment ends up being libertarian, not left-wing. Like, and I think that's kind of... That's what when you end up with the Reaganism, right? Because you end up with the, like... Which I feel like this movie is kind of, like, individualist and, like, aligns with the kind of Reaganist, like, mindset. Like, that kind of ability that he has to, like, bring himself up to that level. And you're like, okay, it is cursed when he gets to the top. But, like... It's just, like, it's very... It's anti-communist, but he's like, it's left-wing. And I'm like, it's not left-wing. I don't know. I just... Yeah. No. I think that sort of quite confused ideology maybe accidentally comes out quite well in the character of Tony, where 
he is quite sort of apolitical but pretends to be this really really against the against the system when he's just out for himself basically um so yeah definitely the author <laughs> yeah i think the nuanced aspects of the character are from like De Palma, maybe Al, but probably De Palma, like understanding this better than Oliver Stone does. But I do think that he can't get completely past the Oliver Stone of it all. Yeah, it does play a very dangerous game with the, and especially in the second half, because it cuts so quickly to him fed up with his wealth and having problems. And you would think that, yeah, I mean, it's clearly not supposed to idolise him as a character and be like he is the hero of this story but the way that it's set up and presented um, especially the final scene I mean, Jesus Christ <laughs> um, is it's just so easy, easy to take that um, the wrong way and, exactly. um, you know, I don't know, for someone who's watching it quite young late at night I mean, this could be quite <laughs> Yeah, very easy to misconstrue him as mm. the hero of the story. Yeah. It's weird, though, because I, like, and I think it's interesting, especially when we compare it to, you know, Al's mm. gangster movies of days past. When you think about The Godfather, The Godfather is so much about family, like, so much about family, and so much about how that informs the system that he's existing in. And, like, with the exception of Manny, I suppose... It doesn't really feel like, and even Matt, like, it doesn't really feel like Tony gives a shit about anyone. Like, he has no kind of real network. He, you know, he has the the woman in his life, but even she's kind of, like, perfunctory. It's more like, she's more of a thing that he kind of wants to have as, you know, as a status symbol. But yeah, it just, it kind of, it feels so so much the opposite of the kind of thing that, you know, we've had in gangster stories of, you know, Al's career previously. And, I yeah, I don't know. I just, I think that this, like, I feel a lot more of the kind of, I think that the, the detachment is more present for me, I think, than it is for you. Like, I don't ever really feel like... I never really feel like Tony is likable at any point, you know, yeah. and I don't know if that's necessarily in do I think that's completely intentional? Not really, but do I think that that helped with my enjoyment of the movie? Yes, like I think you're right. Like he is kind of an idiot. Like he's not, you know, he kind of like essentially kind of talks his way into this world and kind of continues to just like basically talk shit until he gets to the position that he wants to be in and then he gets there and he is just this like shell of a man immediately <laughs> like he's just like a husk i feel like i spend a lot of time just sort of bemused by him almost you know like he's kind of just like making his way through this world kind of on a whim really like he knows what he wants but he's not like exhibiting any kind of smarts or like any kind of skill like you know the first job we see him do goes horribly wrong he gets held up by a man with a chainsaw like it's not he's clearly not like the best smartest boy like he's not you know he doesn't get here like through you know brains and intellect in a way that like somebody like michael corleone like is so 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 smart and like we see that so immediately 
he kind of just like stumbles through it, you know? And I just, I, I feel like it can't be, it can't not be intentional that he's so, so detached from just everything in this movie. Even when we see, you know, the only thing he really expresses kind of, it feels like he expresses emotion about is the relationship he has with his sister, which I don't think is great, <laughs> but, um, you know, it, it, it's kind of the only thing that I ever feel like he's genuine about. Or, you know, completely sort of invested in, I guess. Other than, like, presenting himself as this kind of gangster, you know? It's just so... It's also... Everything's so artificial. Like, it all feels so silly. And, like, <laughs> I don't know. I'm just, like, I keep coming back to it. But I'm just, like, this movie's so silly. It's all so silly. I don't understand how you could idolise this man when he's just such a goofball. <laughs> I do have a quote from from Al talking about like okay so he says this is kind of years after the movie talking to Lawrence Grobel who wrote the good Pacino book that I have he says I like the fact that to me Tony Montana was two-dimensional what you see is what you get I like that about him the fact that he didn't contemplate too much and I'm like yeah but I don't like watching that Al I don't find that interesting <laughs> like I don't know I just I, I have no idea why he does anything he does like why he wants all of this other than like capitalism to want it but like, yeah that's it that's all but but what just because it's all about just like wanting for the sake of wanting like just more excess yeah, just but... like give it I think even his relationship with Gina is just an yeah if of... yeah if I can't have you no one can yeah his obsession with controlling women really. yeah. it's the same thing with Elvira and yeah. her I think my favourite line in the film is is uh, I have it written down he says I always tell the truth even when I lie he says that when they <laughs> when, and uh, part of me is like what the fuck is that supposed to mean but but also he's yeah he is one dimensional basically or two dimensional I, I feel like film characters don't essentially don't necessarily have to have to be realistic people they can be they can be they can be caricatures but if you place them in a, an interesting um uh, a well-chosen environment then then maybe yeah i just like the idea of putting a character in a place and seeing how the character reacts <laughs> maybe this is just <laughs> Tony Montana is just a little wind-up doll that is that's just walking towards disaster I, I'm thinking about like Dick Tracy and the fact that he is incredibly. I mean, he's literally wearing like a fake head in that movie. Like it's, <laughs> he's playing a cartoon character, but I love that performance and I think he's great and he's basically yelling the whole time. But I think the reason it works is that he's a villain and he's only in it for like, like fifteen minutes. This is the archetypal villain, and I'm like, that's fine. But I feel like if I'm gonna spend three hours with someone, I want to like at least care if something bad happens to them. Like, I don't care what happens to any character in this movie, apart from maybe Elvira, like... You just wonder if what, what you would what it would be like to see it when it came out in, in the cinema, um, before it had this aura around it and everyone knew about the... Everyone knew about the, 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 the climax of the film. I do think in the cinema it would help, yeah. Because you're just waiting for that, really, while you're watching it, especially in the second half. It's the chainsaw scene and the end. I had no idea about the chainsaw. I really only got really excited when the chainsaw came out. I was like, oh my god. This is great. I'm just happy to see a chain. Like, I just think that's an interesting thing to bring into a scene. Yeah. 
it really continues the 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 sort of yeah. Texas Chainsaw theory that there's nothing, yeah. nothing much yeah. scarier than blood <laughs> and the sound of a two-stroke engine. It's just very very frightening. Uh, yeah, perfect. And I love that movie. So like, I'm like, great, yeah, yeah chainsaws no. <laughs> just like everywhere. Put them in everything. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like this is not going to conclude with either of us agreeing with the other person. <laughs> No, uh, no, I stand firm. I agree with you that you don't really care about, about any of the characters. Maybe Manny a tiny bit, because... Yeah. I kind of like Manny. Um, well, when it's, when it's revealed that he's, he's having a thing with Elvira, that's so sudden. Yeah, and with Gina. Gina, right? Uh, Gina, sorry, yeah, yeah, yeah sorry. Um, yeah. That's just, that, that, for me, is the bit that seems most like crowbarred in from the original. Because the original, that sort of signposted a wee, a wee bit more. And you get one conversation with them in this one, and then all oh, they're married. Yeah. It is kind of like, they either should have, yeah, I said that already, but like I think they either should have like removed that entirely or done more of it. Like, yeah. But that feels so De Palma to me, in a way. You yeah, know? exactly. But then like, more of it. Like, give me more. I don't know. Like, like. <laughs> So the seeds earlier, like he, uh, when you first meet this, oh god! Also, the the woman who plays his mum is literally four years older than him, which is the worst <laughs> thing in the world. Um, anyway, oh which is terrible. But um, when Tony and Gina interact, you're like not sure until right at the end whether you are reading something into it and you're the creep, or if actually this is genuinely like terrible vibe. <laughs> <laughs> and then right at the no. end the, the department's like oh no text it's text now it's text now and you're like can't it be text no. for the whole movie like why does it have to be text in the last five seconds of her life like why can't we like I don't know I don't know or like even just seed more of it in there no I don't know man I felt like you wanted no, to no exactly but like I felt but like, like you wanted to get in there from the go man like I, I don't know that like the, when he first comes into the house and he's like you're such yeah. a beautiful woman now and you're like uh, uh, excuse me <laughs> like are you guys you guys are real things no it, like it felt very present to me especially the scene where she see he sees her dancing in the club with that guy and then he goes and yeah. beats the guy like I, i'm like it's so text it's so so everything about this movie is like text like that's why i like it i think because it is all so surface <laughs> and so obvious that's the most like De Palma moment though. That when like the uh, the amazing score like kicks in and <sighs> it's just like slow mo and it's mm. just like him watching her like get hit on by someone. You're like, oh right, De Palma is directing this movie and he likes to watch people watch things and then freak out about it. Like, that's that's that's, that's De Palma. But um, I do like like that's I hate it, but I also think it's the most interesting part. I don't know. I don't know how I feel about the yeah. sister stuff. Like, I kind of think it's terrible, but I also kind of think it's good. I don't know. I think the sister stuff is even better in, in the first one. Ah. Because, well, in the books that that is based on, there is uh, there are suggestions of um, incest between the two. And then they apparently they filmed a few scenes that were not even suggestions of that, just... just the briefest of the the Hayes office weren't them weren't them yeah. cut out so they were, um, mm. but uh, but in the at the end of the original, I mean not to spoil that for you because you haven't seen it but they actually, well I mean that's what I'm gonna do, <laughs> um, they um, they actually team up at the end rather than her shooting at him, they hold themselves up in in his mm. in his um, apartment with the uh, steel 
an iron shutters or something like that yeah. and they're shooting at the police um, because there's a, a line in it where because he has he has killed her new husband mm-hmm. but then she forgives him because as she says they are the same person which is not the case in this one at all yeah um, yeah i wish that was in it i wish it was that i wish it was like yeah and she was a character like i don't know i wish anyone in this was a character <laughs> but especially the women well, how do you feel about Michelle? Because you're a noted Michelle Pfeiffer stan, Maddie. I am. She's my wife. How do you feel about her in this movie? Because she looks... Asia looks amazing. Like, she's, like, the best a person has ever looked in anything. But she's also, like... I love how bored she... Like, that's my main note on her performance, is that she looks like she is bored out of her skull every time she's on screen. And I... Again, I really enjoyed that. She has one of the best faces and like it's so perfect when it's just still like and you're like you look like you're going to murder someone like, and it's perfect. <laughs> um, yeah, I think she does better with the material than I think anyone else could like and she almost holds her own given that this is her like fourth performance ever and her like very early in her career and like she's doing her best and she's the most interesting character to me in the movie but um still not that great i don't know i want more of her i want to know what she's up to i want to know what she's thinking about stuff that's not just like i hate everything that's happening to me and i'm just going with whoever whichever man is like has killed the last one i was dating like (laughs) (laughs) yeah she is two-dimensional there's just not enough of her yeah exactly i mean not even i'd like to see more development of of their relationship but there's not even enough of her in the film anyway yeah exactly much nicer. Yeah. yeah, and the way that she descends from the the el- the in the sort of glass yeah. elevator at the start, Amazing. like an angel coming down from heaven. It's like okay, so good. That's like the entrance of a movie star. Like that's like okay, she's here. Yeah. She's like arrived. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and then you barely oh, see I her. Know. Oh. Yeah, she just like yeah. makes him a bit. She's and there and she's gone. That's, like, oh, that's why I like her <laughs> so much in this movie. <laughs> And then he goes, I want you to have them babies. And she goes, eh, yeah, all right. I mean, come husband first. Yeah. <laughs> God. Uh, why, I mean, why do you think she says yes to him? Is it just the sheer I don't think she charisma has... in inverted commas of Tony? I don't think she ever likes him. I don't think she has another choice. Like, I think it's literally no. just like, mm. yeah. she would either be on the street or with like and she's got used to the lifestyle and stuff like that i'm sure that's part of it like she doesn't yeah. want to be away from someone who can uh give her coke <laughs> um <laughs> honestly and like <laughs> yeah that lifestyle is important to her although i'm not really sure why but i guess that's the same reason that it's important to him i don't think we can like chide her for being two-dimensional when everyone in the movie is two-dimensional right it's like, definitely not her fault it's like the writing but like yeah no. um, but I think she, like, you know, I think she does... I just, I think that, like, for this to kind of be more... I think I kind of would have liked it less if she was more involved. Does that make sense? Like, I think I enjoy the fact mm. that she's kind of one step removed from everything. I think that's, like, more indicative of, like, her stance on everything that's going on than it would be if she was, like... Tony, why are you doing that? Like, you know, if she was, like, trying to kind of, like, have a life with him and, like, be, you know, a a loyal wife and an engaged... And, you know, and be a mother and all this stuff that they talk about, it kind of would have 
it would have been more predictable. I really like the fact that she is so kind of detached from Everett. Like, I love how every sequence there in the club, she just looks so... Like, she she really does look... Like, bored is her primary emotion throughout the... Basically the entire... She's either bored or she's pissed off. And I think that that's, like... I don't know. Like, it's just a little different than, you know, your kind of nagging wives. You know? Like, I don't feel like she ever kind of wants more from him than like you know to be adequately plied with drugs and alcohol and money like i don't think that you know i think that they have this kind of mutually beneficial misery in a way you know like he gets his beautiful wife and she gets her vices and like you know they don't have to like each other they just kind of have to coexist it doesn't bother me that they're sort of you know, they kind of end up thrown together in a way. Like, even when they're getting married, she's just kind of, she's just sort of standing there. It just, uh, I don't know. I just find it very amusing. And I think she, as you said, she does very well with, like, the little that she gets to do in this movie, which is little. But she's just so compelling as, you know, you said, like, you know, as, like, a still image, she is so compelling. Especially in the restaurant scene where... Where Tony almost attacks yeah. her. The face that she makes there oh, yeah. is... <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> when he says he says something like... Uh, he calls her a junkie and um, says that she won't have his babies or whatever. And then the, the sheer outrage on her face is... Just that one glimmer of... Yeah. Of caring about yeah. anything, basically. That's She's like the brilliant. final straw. Yeah. She, I just love her aloofness. Yeah. I do yeah, have a quote yeah. from her about this movie. Um, I played this appendage, this ice queen, and I was so frightened. I was terrified every single day. I was 24 years old. I remember Al and I had dinner one night. It was horrible. We were both so shy. We didn't have one thing to say to each other. It's oh. <laughs> just like... That's cute. <laughs> I love imagining that dinner, and I'm like, what is this <laughs> That's just also like such a damning indictment of Al. Like you're a movie star. Be nice to poor girl. Like Jesus Christ. He's shy. You can't be charming for five seconds. I know, but like Jesus. And then and then they work together again on Frankie and Johnny. And he she said that she like like she told him stories of the things that he would say to her and do on like the set of Scarface. And he'd be like, I didn't do that. Like I wasn't that rude. And she's like, No, no, you were. And they got on like really well on Frankie and Johnny because they were both like much more relaxed and much more like secure in their selves and everything so there was like a good end to the to the story oh, that's but nice. that's so funny yeah. that like silent dinner with Al Pacino <laughs> and Michelle Pfeiffer like great great I would love to be there I would love to be there <laughs> to stare at them yeah 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 acro- across the room <laughs> um, but yeah Al didn't want her in the movie and neither did Universal uh-huh. but uh, Marty Bregman Marty Bregman is the guy for actors, and he pushed for her. So that's interesting because uh, Anne Vorjak, who plays no, sorry, that's the, <laughs> that's the sister. Okay, ignore that. But that they also had they also had difficulties with the studio, um, or with the producers getting mm. a, a main actress mm. on um, the original as well. So who was going to play her before? Yeah, who else? Any ideas? No, I think it was just like they did kind of an open casting thing, and Bregman uh. was like, "This is the person," and they weren't sure because she was an unknown at that point mm-hmm. um but he he kind of said to al he was like do you trust me and Al was like okay fine mm-hmm. like let's let's do it mm-hmm. um and it turned out great yeah. So. yeah yeah i don't know if i can think of like 
like as a young act like 24 god yeah and being able to stand up to you know wear like your tiny dresses and like be kind of this ice princess like yeah i don't know anyone else who could you know pull that off yeah she is amazing um, and she turned into such a talent obviously I would put Isabella Huppert forward, but her English probably wasn't, probably wasn't that, that good at that point. So. Okay, <laughs> she would be okay. great. I would I love that. <laughs> That's my podcast idea, by the way. Oh yeah, yeah, Huppercast. Huppercast. <laughs> yeah, hundred percent. That would take years. She's done hundreds of films. Anyway. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is going to take us years. Yeah. But... <laughs> I feel like we're like so far in already, though. You know, like I know we're not objectively. Yeah. We have to get through all those terrible movies he made in the two thousands. But like, I'm like, we're in the eighties. We're like, we're getting there. You know. Yeah. He just made a lot less movies in the early half of his career. Yeah. I read an article by a woman called I'm going to mispronounce her name, Damais Osanya. Maybe um, in the Guardian from two thousand and eight, and she was one of the people who came over on these this boat lift, one of the like hundred twenty seven hundred twenty five thousand refugees who came over on this. And mm-hmm. the first thing to note is that at the start of the movie, they claim that like thirty thousand of the people who came over were criminals, and the answer is actually three thousand. So that's mm-hmm. not a good start. Um, but there were there were these criminals who came over at that time and kind of ended up representing that community in a negative way right so like that the kind of crime wave that happened after that then reflected back on cuban people in general in miami uh so yeah so this quote is we marialetos sure were considered lowlifes and a lot of us felt like we had to work extra hard to prove people wrong you can see why a movie that reinforced that stereotype wouldn't go over well with us when we saw that scarface opened with a block of text explaining the marielle boat lift and exaggerating the number of criminals to 30,000. There was a collective, here we go again. Mm. Hmm. Um, but she also does say, like, she understands why, like, black and Latino kids love this movie now. Like, and, and the kind of, that the only way to get into any position of power for these groups of people is to be this criminal kind of mm. mastermind. And that's the only way to kind of get out of that mm. for them. Yeah. Um, which is interesting. But yeah the, the 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 they weren't allowed to shoot in miami because of this like they they had to shoot in los angeles because the reaction of the cuban community in miami was like absolutely not it seems people were not happy but interesting i don't know what the feeling is now i don't know what the kind of retro retroactive like yeah feeling about it in the same way that like i feel like italian americans when the godfather or like goodfellas or whatever no maybe not goodfellas but like when those movies came out were like this is not representative of our community. Like we're not all in the mafia, and now a lot of them are like, "No, this is fucking great." Like, <laughs> so I don't know. Yeah, um, it's the same thing with. It's kind of the same thing with cruising. You know, like it's this like pocket of people being like, "I don't like." You know, this doesn't represent us all. It's like you know, like we know that. You know, or like I feel like the movie knows that. You know, I mean. I just think, like, when it starts with that, like, you don't have to start it with that. Like, you don't have to start it with real footage of real people coming in on these boats and, like, yeah. drawing that kind of equivalence in that really, like, heavy-handed way, I think, is, like, a mistake. Like, you can still be, like, this is where these people came from, but that kind of use of the real footage is just, like, really drawing that line very firmly between, like, the real people and this kind of... Like, the movie is so heightened and so insane 
that like starting it with like real footage is just kind of like why are you doing that like this is not a realistic movie in any way like and that's fine but i feel like it's so you know again coming back to this thing about de palma with this kind of like layers of gaze and you know how everything is is performative and it it, you know it's sort of I, i think it's playing with that idea more than it is you know I think maybe it's trying to play with it more than it actually ends up doing. Something really stood out to me was when, you know, the first kind of, the chainsaw sequence and like he keeps panning over to the TV and like we keep looking at the TV every now and then and like Mm. I think that, I don't know, I think this movie is trying to say something about like the perception of this lifestyle and like how kind of miserable it actually is even though there is this grandeur and this excess to it. And I agree that it probably doesn't do a very good well, uh, doesn't do a very good job of transposing that, but I I just, I think that it is so outsized and so outlandish that it just, it feels so ridiculous to kind of assume that any of this is is grounded in any kind of realism, you know? I wonder if it's, if it's like, as non-Americans and we're watching this as like, like, we see that this is a symptom of American capitalism, mm. and, like, mm. we see that American capitalism is ridiculous and, out and you know, but, like, I wonder if, if you're in it, if you just are, like, no, this is aspirational, like, it seems like the kind mm. of, like, I, I have a quote from Snoop Dogg who says that he used to watch it once a month, <laughs> and he's, like, he says, I think any brother watching it can identify with what the man is going through, and I'm, like, that's not what you want, like, I don't want you to, no one should be identifying with this guy, like, not even you, Snoop. Yeah, exactly. Not even you, Snoop. Like, I wonder if that kind of... Like, we know that it's abhorrent from our vantage point. Or I don't know if in America you're, like, exposed to as much criticism of it as we are. Especially in the 80s. Yeah, that's funny because somebody uh, commented on my very small, um, extremely short and stupid review from when I finished watching it today saying that you you have to be from America... To understand the true genius of this this film, he says, Mm -hmm. and um, I mean, I'd like, maybe, maybe he's uh, he's (laughs) underestimating how much we we (laughs) understand that it's it's a it's a a criticism of the the impossibleness of the American dream or the fakeness of the American dream, the lie of the American dream, basically. I think yeah, I think we get exposed so much to American culture that like. It feels like the entire world has an understanding of everything about America, where like Americans don't understand any other country. Yeah. I mean, and that's yeah. obviously a massive like generalization, but I do think like just having that culture, and that's basically the only culture we experience. Like you do, I think, have an outsider's understanding of it. But then I don't know. Maybe I mean, none of us are Americans, so maybe maybe if we had an American on here, and they'd be like, no, actually, like this is the explanation. Yeah, I mean, there definitely must be just some sort of feeling that we don't get in the American experience. I've never been to America, but I feel like it would just be very strange over there. I don't know. <laughs> New York is nice. It is strange. Yeah, but even, like, bits of New York, you know? Like, it's when you go to, like... Like, when you go to a big shop... Like, it's just the size of things in America, right? Like, everything feels so huge. Like, I've been to a couple of places in America... And the scale yeah. of it is the thing that always takes me back. And I feel like that 
aligns yeah. perfectly with this movie. Everything about this movie is so huge. And it's made of plastic. Mm-hmm. It's like massive and made of plastic. Like Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Huge and fake. Everything in this film is huge. Except Al. <laughs> <laughs> except for Al. <laughs> He's a small man in a big world. The tagline should be, a little man in a small world. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm a little man in a big world. (laughs) It's also so funny because Stephen Bauer is like six foot two and I'm like, Al is absolutely wearing some massive shoes to not look like an out of like completely tight. And he still looks tiny. Like he's wearing like big heels and he still looks tiny. He looks so small. <laughs> so small. How tall is Michelle? Do you know? Oh, five eight, five nine. She's probably my height, I think. So she's Something not like super that. tall. No, she's just like, because she's so thin, she looks taller, I think. But yeah, yeah. yeah. She's such a waif. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And a wife. A waif yeah. and a wife. <laughs> a waif wife. Um, yeah, no, I was thinking that, you know when like they do the... I guess like just before the chainsaw scene when they're doing the drug deal, it's very much like the way every single drug deal goes down in every piece of media, which is like, oh, have you brought the money? No, it's somewhere else. Have you brought the drugs? No, they're somewhere else. And I'm like, can no one ever just bring the product to the fucking meeting? What's the point in having the meeting if you don't bring the product? They just drive me insane. I don't know if I have much to say about it, but I just wanted to know what you thought about the, the Bolivia sequences, especially the first one when he's sitting with F. Murray Abraham. And he's yeah. getting so angry at him. <laughs> F. Murray Abraham, great in this movie, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> I love to see him. I was very happy to I'd, see him. Yeah, he goes from this to the Grand Budapest Hotel. <laughs> um, but um, I don't know, the bit that, um, probably the most horrifying bit about the whole film to me, the only bit that I was sort of not looking forward to was the helicopter bit. Yeah. That oh, yeah. Pretty yeah, grand. it is bad. It's just so bad. like doubly unnecessary. Like there's like five extra <laughs> yeah. things they do that's like what? <laughs> why are you doing? Why are you killing him like eight different ways at once? Like I don't understand. Because <laughs> it's about excess, uh, man. I guess it's just it's everything has to be yeah, too and it's much. Yeah, to Pacino as well. Yeah, exactly. It's like you know they're gonna yeah hang you from a helicopter and dangle you around like that bit at the end of. Mission Impossible Fallout, where Tom Cruise is just like swinging about <laughs> yeah. on the helicopter. Great movie, much better movie than this movie. Um, uh, that's a good link, isn't it? Brian De Palma did the first Mission Impossible. He did. Maybe that's a Scarface. Uh, Honestly, Scarface reference. Maybe. I feel like Macquarie's probably a Scarface fan. A Scarface. What well, has? I feel like I'm. I need to do like six degrees of separation now because I feel like there's a Macquarie Oliver Stone link in there somewhere. Oh, probably. But I don't know how or why. They but have I'll find it eventually. Vibes, maybe. Macquarie kind of. seems like a more of a normal. He seems like a person. nice, like adjusted yeah. man. Yeah, or I feel like Stone Oliver Stone would like scream at me <laughs> if I said hello. Like, God. Um. Yeah. Have yeah. you guys seen any other Stone movies? No, your, I haven't, and that's why I feel a bit Stone bad history? about. I feel a bit bad about being like Oliver Stone is the worst because oh, I Oliver haven't Stone, seen. I any don't think so. Others. I've not seen Platoon. No. I've seen yeah. Platoon. Platoon's Platoon's pretty good, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's okay. It's not like mm-hmm. you know. There's so many. Like it's such well trodden territory. You know, yeah. it's like nothing exciting. Um, 
Oh, you're going to be doing any given Sunday at some point. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He also. Oh my god, and he's screaming in the poster. Yeah, yeah. And it's a fucking (laughs) baseball movie. I couldn't be less interested in that movie, but we'll get there eventually. American football, isn't it? Oh, is it American football? Okay. Yeah. Okay. And Margaret is in it. Like, this seems great. (laughs) Seems seems bad. Aaron Eckhart. Jamie Foxx got his Oscar for that, didn't he? No the tagline for any given Sunday is life is a contact sport. Oh my god. <laughs> Which is true. You know, life we're is really, a contact sport. We're really in the weeds of like toxic masculinity here today. Like this is like really like I know we've already talked about the Godfather and that is obviously one of those, but this is just like the most like not even like self-reflexive toxic masculinity. It's just it's just all out there. Like it's just like oh, I don't oh, know, god. man. Um, yeah. It's very heavy-handed in some places as well, especially when they get married and they immediately... Well, he, he says she's a tiger. And then they get yeah. married and they immediately and go down and say, look, I have a tiger chained to a tree and it's not happy. Oh, <laughs> yep. I love yep. it. I love Great. it. Subtext is text, guys. It does play a very dangerous game in, in terms of glorifying him at the end. He gets killed because he did something that was morally right. He's 100% dying a hero's death in, in the eyes of the film. Because the amount of people that he takes yeah. out, that's, that's uh, towards the end. Yeah. Hmm. He gets like, I mean, that's an insane KD. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> um, he, he gets like 20 odd people at the end. He's, he's super yeah. human at the end. And they're all drug dealers. They're not cops. They're yes, not exactly. like anyone that we see as being good, right? They're like bad guys. Yeah. And, and then the guy, the guy that comes up behind him <laughs> yeah, is yeah. credited as the skull. Um, <laughs> That's so good. That's we were great. We were watching it last night. Like my friends were like, "Who is that guy? Like, where did he come love, from? Like, is I he like it. the key bad guy in this?" And I was like, Just "I don't know. Guy. Who is this guy? Like, what is yeah. like?" He's not built up as anything through the he movie. Just, like, like Terminator, but a bit skinnier. That's what he looks like. Yeah, <laughs> that's what my friend said as well. He's like, "This is very Terminator." <laughs> I guess, like, this is my half-baked defense of the kind of, um, the scene where he is, he has the big fight in the restaurant with Elvira, he says something like, he's like, you're eating and drinking and snorting and fucking, and then what? Like, that's like... I'll just correct you there, he says, he says, sucking and fucking, (laughs) to make that clear. That's important. That's important. (laughs) Thank you for the clarification. It is important. I think that it's sort of this is the like and then what, right? Like it's such a it's such a weird kind of you know, it is this like big like fire and fury kind of ending and it does sort of come out of in a sense it kind of comes out of left field and you know it initially starts this more intimate thing between him and the sister and I just think it kind of all this happens and then it's sort of he's just like floating in the pool and then the movie ends right like that's sort of it and we are left with this like Mm. you know in this huge like cavernous hideous house I don't know I just think it's just like it's like well yeah and like then what like what is what was all this for like how did all this work all this money all this stuff like and he's just like dead in a pool like it's an undignified death you know it's a death that happens 
earlier in the movie as well, right? Like somebody earlier on gets, you know, shot and ends up like face down in a oh, ball. Yeah. And, it, you know, I don't even know who that guy was, you know, <laughs> like the exact yeah. same thing happened to somebody earlier on. And like, I couldn't tell you what their name was. And like, he's just now, he's just like another body, right? Like it's so mm. pointless. All of it was so pointless. All of this excess and misery, like got him nowhere. And I think it's kind of, I, I find it more, I think that it it can be read as this like blaze of glory, but I think that it, it ends in a way that is, it's not like we're like, ah, the legacy of Tony Montana. It's just like, yeah, he's, he's just dead now. <laughs> like he's dead. That's it. Like we don't get, you know. Yeah. And I think that's also kind of ties to the, you know, the, the kind of half discussion they have about like having children and like the weirdness of kind of, how that pops up every now and then in in scenes with Elvira and oh, can I just say my my one of my favorite lines, one of my favorite parts is when he goes to meet Sosa Sosa the second time, and he asks him how how's, how's it going with like when he, he says when are you gonna have another little Tony to to carry on the, the legacy, and he goes oh I'm I'm I'm, I'm having issues with that or something he says, he says I'm 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 working on it is what he says. <laughs> And then he puts his arm around him and says, you have to work harder, Tony. Come. <laughs> I, just, I just couldn't stop myself from doing that. I thought that was hilarious. That was definitely on purpose, Oh, yeah. Right? Oh, yeah. Oh, definitely. Definitely. I love it. Oh, anyway. But yeah. Yeah, no. That's I think that, but I think that the, the fact that the film just ends as soon as he dies... We don't get any any postscript at all, any anything that would make him feel absent. Yeah, I suppose. I think, I, think um, I don't know. I get what you're saying about it is obviously pointless, but I do still think that everything that that that, that builds up, in it, especially in that in that last in that last half, just um, puts him as a hero in, in the eyes mm-hmm. of the film. Yeah, I also think like. Anyone, if anyone exits, like when Elvira like leaves that restaurant, she leaves the movie. Like she's just not in the movie because it's his movie, right? Like it's mm-hmm. so clear in that moment that he's the only one that anyone making this movie cares about. Because if someone's not in his life, they're just completely gone. Like we don't follow anyone else for any amount of time, other than the like brief moment with um Manny and Gina in the car. I think that's kind of the only time that yeah. we yeah yeah spend any time with anyone else. And like. That's kind of part of the problem. Like the the other characters are just kind of come in and out of his life, and we don't see them apart from that. But like, I don't know. I do like the kind of world is the world is yours thing. I think that's cool. Like it's a bit overdone, but I think it's cool. And like that it like repeats across the film yeah, on the blimp and is, stuff is interesting. Yeah, exactly. And that it's like the Pan Am, like the image of the world is yours on that that balloon, and then him at it. Really, yeah, I think. I mean, despite everything else, is one of the great images in. Any <laughs> film, I think it's amazing. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think this movie does have some like really fun stylistic stuff that I think is. Even though I know Maddie, you don't think you can feel the Palmer in this movie at all. I think you can. I think there's like, I think it is more for hire than a lot of his other films are. But I think that there is, you know, yeah. ever like the great. Um, there's a really great tracking shot in the um like uprising sequence where the guy gets stabbed and like the camera mm. kind of follows him from like above and i think that mm-hmm. was yeah. that really stood out to me there's some great like 
high angle stuff in the chainsaw scene. There's a lot of like, yeah, I don't know. I think there's like interesting little, and I love how this movie uses, um, I love the sort of set design in this movie. I love all these like insane interiors, like with all these great big, like gross kind of, uh, you know, all the like, the way it uses like the Maya, like the skyline and stuff is really fun. And yeah, it's, I think it's a, it's a, it's a very kind of, you know, iconic with an eye kind of movie. Like everything is very graphic. I think. Yeah. Do we have a favorite set from the film? Oh, I don't know. I uh, like the whole, I like the sort of um, jacuzzi thing. Yeah, the like bathtub with, with, with the telly. <laughs> the telly like built into the drinks cabinet or something. It's so good. <laughs> I like uh, the club, I think, just in terms of... I was like, going to say, yeah, I like the club. They use the mirrors in the... Yeah. Just as, like, yeah. filmmaking device, the mirrors are yeah. so good. And, like, I wanted to ask about that. You know the scene with the shootout in the club? That's my favourite scene in the movie, I think. That's a pretty good scene. What's the, what's the deal with the guy in the head doing the, like... I have no what idea. That? <laughs> I just... I love it. Like I have no idea. But I love it. Question. Yeah. <laughs> it's very yeah it's very i really like that sequence and i think that's one of the like the more overtly funny things in this movie is the two guys with the guns like sitting at the table and like pulling their guns like in the little napkins like <laughs> from under the table and like every now and then kind of like oh yeah. like it's so silly and they see the guy in the weird suit come on and they look at each other and go <laughs> yeah. okay i'll put them away then <laughs> yeah <laughs> these like yeah they're like real kind of like comedy gangster guys just sitting there with their like tommy guns under napkins like it's really really silly uh but yeah i i also enjoy the like the black uh marble bathroom that they have in the club oh yeah like Mm -hmm. it's just like wall-to-wall black in that room and it's really unhinged so much marble in this movie so unattractive it's so like kardashians now you know what Mm. i mean like it's so like they're kind of vast empty palaces that are just like white marble like and nothing in them like i don't know yeah. if that's kanye's influence or if it's like just the way rich people uh, decorate but like yeah kanye probably has a, a tony montana line in there somewhere right you know oh i'm sure in his like yeah. vast discography maybe i don't know i can't think of any kanye is probably, probably the, one of the few rappers that i've properly been into i don't think so he doesn't do a huge amount of like references, right? I wouldn't say he's a Scarface mm. fan. I'm gonna go and all <laughs> no, and say I don't think Kanye likes Scarface. <laughs> <laughs> what's like what's a Kanye movie then? Kanye likes Khodorovsky. That's what he likes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Kanye's like deeper into the yeah, I think. I can I can vibe with that. Yeah, he yeah. likes get out, I know that, but oh, everyone okay. likes loads of people like yeah. get out. <laughs> yeah, true. Do we have anything else to talk about? Any final thoughts? Do you want to talk about Mary Elizabeth Master Antonio? I don't know. I mean, I don't know. Her accent is maybe worse than Al's. I think that was my main take. I also think it's funny that they cast another Italian as his sister. Yeah, I know. The only Cuban in the entire film is Stephen Bauer. He's the only Cuban person in the entire movie. And they were gonna, they were going to cast John Travolta as him, apparently. Yeah. Oh my god. Oh Great. no. Oh no. Really bad. Yeah. That oh. would have been horrific. I mean, to be fair, John Travolta is in Blowout, like, the year before and is great, so maybe it would be good. But... It's not that I think Travolta's bad, it's just that I don't think that should be played by Travolta. Like, I don't, yeah. I don't see those two 
guys connecting. You know, I can't see no, that for yeah. him. They have been in a film together. Probably. I don't know. Maybe not. He doesn't mm. really star with other big, like, big movie stars very much. Mm, That's very yeah. true. Well, you yeah, know, Master Antonio. I mean, she's good. Yeah. She's, she's good. I think she's good. She's alright. <laughs> and Wojak, who plays her equivalent character in the first one, is amazing. Yeah. She is. I'd watch the film just for her. Yeah. She's so good in that. Uh, interesting. Like, better than Paul Murray, I would say. <laughs> Great. Do we have any favourite Al fashion moments? Oh, Al fashion oh, I mean, the whole thing. Like, I love every outfit in this movie. Everyone looks insane. All the little shirts. I like, I love it. I love it. I prefer the Hawaiian shirts to, like, the suits, I think. Actually, I think maybe my favourite outfit is when they go to New York and he's in, like, a three-piece suit and a coat, and I'm like, that's what I want. Like, that's my preference. Oh, yeah. um, which is very Of boring. course you like the most boring outfit that he has. Yeah, it's great. I'm like, we're back in New York. We're back where I'm comfortable. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> but I, my favorite Michelle outfit is the like white hat, like white suit, like that's so good. Oh yeah, 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 that is yeah. Good. I like the um the like sparkly dress that she has, like the black mm-hmm. sparkly one. It's got like sequins, lots of like backless moments for Michelle, yeah. which is very fun. Oh, never any back. Yeah, on that one. yeah, no. I like when Al puts on her hat. Yeah, me too. Yeah, that's cute. That's like the one moment where I'm like, oh, something's happening. He's being charming. <laughs> I love that. That's like the moment you're like, oh, okay, I'm locked in now. He's like wearing something silly. <laughs> that feels like something that Al like, that Al kind of just did himself. Like that feels like Al just being an idiot. Like, uh, I've seen so few of the films on the podcast so far. I mean, as, as we record, you're only up to yeah. Bobby Deerfield is the last one that's that's been put out. Don't watch that movie. <laughs> it's bad. Okay, fine. I was never. I was never. Really bad. Really, really bad. You're not missing um, out. <laughs> but I feel like that's when I saw that bit. That's a little glimpse of the Pacino that I've heard you two talking about so much. Like I want to see him be funny. Yeah. Yes, charming little guy. He's the best. <laughs> I haven't seen Scarecrow yet either, and I want I want to see him being a little. Oh, Scarecrow's. Oh, Scarecrow's pretty good. Cute. Annoying little child next to Gene Hackman. He's good yeah. in that. He is good at that. Yeah. The more I think about Scarecrow, the more I'm like, I think Scarecrow is pretty. Scarecrow, Scarecrow is good. good. Yeah, Scarecrow is good. I wish the like end didn't end like mm. that, but like, the the vibes with Scarecrow are good. I, I just had vibe. the. Yeah. That was a strange um, moment when I brought up a film that you've I've already heard you talking about. That was almost like the like I'm to, like I'm like I'm talking to someone famous. <laughs> <laughs> Even though I've met hundreds of Oh dear. Kurt Vonnegut walked out of this movie after half an hour. Nice. I just wanted to say that. Kurt Vonnegut, my friend, my dear friend Kurt, who has good taste and writes well about America. Thank you. Fine. Thank you. Sorry. Kurt Vonnegut could never be camp. <laughs> That's true. That's why he's so great. I do think that it's interesting, like the Bolivia stuff, like in the context of someone like um, Escobar, who is like so massively wealthy, it's just unbelievable. Like, you couldn't conceive of how much money he made at that time, which is obviously not the same extent as these guys are. Like, I don't know. I think that stuff is that stuff is also where I'm like, oh, we're doing some stuff about like Latin American politics, and I'm getting interested. And then it's not really about that at all. It's just about Al doing stuff. I'm interested in like why the like deputy minister or whatever is like on the TV being called out by this guy, and I'm like, yeah, tell me more about this, and it doesn't tell me no. any more about it. 
like, I don't care. Who cares? Well, Who the cares? movie doesn't care, so that's fine. Yeah, but... and the movie's correct to not care. It's not interesting. <laughs> yeah, it is interesting. <laughs> but it just very quickly becomes a morality lesson. When the wife and the yeah. kids get in the car, that's an obvious, like, audience goes, <gasps> yeah. moment. I felt like that, and I've seen it before. Yeah, so. yeah. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I just, like, um, so, I don't know. I, I kept thinking about American Made, which is not a good movie. It's that's a um, Tom Cruise movie where he plays Donald Gleason uh, vehicle, American Made. Me- yeah, in which Donald Gleason just plays an FBI guy, and I'm like, sure, great casting, guys. Like the most British person I've ever seen, it's not terrible, British, the most Irish person I've ever seen in my life. Um, anyway, and like Tom Cruise is like playing a pilot who's like transferring drugs from Colombia and like South America to. America and like also working for the CIA and that's another one that fails to get into the politics mm. to an extent that I'm interested in so I'm just like guys please maybe I just want a documentary about it maybe we should just look for a documentary about this yeah. or watch Narcos or something yeah. I don't know uh, one last question say maybe oh, well, not last one but say I imagine that the the new Scarface is indeed going ahead and it will be made who who would you cast yeah because there's no cast being been uh, announced yet as far as I can tell interesting um, who's a good yeller yes who's good at the light shouts well hmm it could be shouty uh oh uh <laughs> Daniel Kaluuya maybe he's a bit young yeah. but hmm interesting I kind of like him to see him do like full crazy like but I feel like he's so good yeah. when he like underplays everything that's right? true he's so like, threatening like quietly that's when yeah. he's best yeah yeah he yeah. doesn't really go big yeah I don't know I guess it sort of depends how you yeah. transpose yeah. it right like where we place Scarface 2021 it's like, it's like right it's like, like you know <laughs> it's, just, it's like Aaron Aaron Paul like it's that's like <laughs> It's just breaking bad. No, um, I don't know. What was what's the? I mean, it's like cybercrime or oh, something. Yeah. If you're really doing it like now, which is just incredibly boring. Like... Jesse Eisenberg as Scarface. <laughs> <laughs> great, great masterpiece. I mean, that's yeah. the Social Network, right? Basically. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it already exists. I oh, know we've made a mistake. <laughs> uh... Who else is? I can't think of anyone who's like a good. Yeller, like who's good at shouting? Like I can't even think about. Jackie Simmons is a bit too. He's a bit too old. He could. He could be the Sosa character. Yeah, that would be good. Yeah, I'd have him. Yeah. <laughs> um. Ah, just, just fucking have Timothy Chalamet and <laughs> have, have him play Tony. <laughs> oh, I feel like we just like we have to get away from all these white people, man. Yeah. Like, we can't let this happen again. That's true. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. No, I don't know who you'd, who you'd have. I don't know. Listen. I think it's maybe a bad idea. Maybe we shouldn't do it. <laughs> I don't know. I just feel like it's... Yeah, maybe we should know. stop remaking movies. Maybe that's what we should do. Maybe. Maybe. I'm, I think there's an argument for remaking movies. I just think you have to do something with it, right? Like, don't just... Like yeah, I mean, earlier, I think that this is... Yeah. be like, yeah. oh, what if there were women in it? Yeah. What if Scarface was a lady? Remake. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> Lady Scarface. Miss Scarface. <laughs> Lady Scarface. <laughs> I want. I still want a mob wife movie. Like I still think that that's <sighs> okay. 
Final thoughts. Are there no mob wife films? No, I don't think oh. so. Well, there's Married to the Mob, which has Michelle Pfeiffer in it, which is great. Yeah, oh. that's true. Uh, yeah. But that's a comedy. She's married to the mob. She is married to the yeah. mob. Right. She has great hair. Yeah. Good movie. I do think about that a lot, actually. The fact that, like, the mob wife is such an untapped resource. Really like, is. I feel like we should have loads of mob wife movies. Because there's The Kitchen, like... which is a Donald Beeson vehicle. <laughs> <laughs> And it's one of the worst movies I've ever seen in my life. It's Bad. so terrible. Like, the way that this movie isn't nuanced is, like, turned up to 3,000 in the kitchen. Like, it's so <laughs> terrible. They play, like, It's a Man's World over the opening credits. Like, that's that's the state of it. Um, yeah. Very bad movie. He's really hot in it, though. Dear. Good for Donald Gleeson. He wears well. a vest. It's great. Um... <laughs> I know now that I'm like out on Al because I didn't like him in this movie I'm like remember Donald Gleason? remember my like previous guy <laughs> he's a good what yeller is... to be fair he is a good yeller Donald can yell maybe we need to do like Irish <laughs> I would watch it I was thinking you could have um, Oscar Isaac. Oh, yeah. That's what I was thinking, but it felt so obvious. I was like, is this really obvious? He could shout. He could definitely shout. He could do anything. What can't he do? Exactly. Exactly. Enemy of the pod, Oscar Isaac. Um, Enemy of the pod, yeah. Right into the podcast if you have any ideas. Yeah. At us. He's a good shouter nowadays. (laughs) Hashtag Scarface 2021. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Oh, I promised Francis I would mention um, uh, Jack Sparrow by The Lonely Island, oh, which yeah. includes an interlude about Scarface. <laughs> oh, God damn it. We'll put a clip in now. Yeah, I'll yeah. Sure, I'll put time yeah. for making the extra job for me, Lauren. <laughs> <laughs> sure. I'll edit this one. It's okay, fine. Sure, if you want to. You're going to cut out okay. everything where I say something bad about the movie. Yeah. <laughs> really selective just like you're like I think it's and then yeah. it's me being like really good and interesting <laughs> perfect I just think he's a good character and you just you just have lots of sympathy for him the whole film yeah. oh my god I am Great. a big fan Great. of this Al Pacino performance <laughs> <laughs> It's great. Oh, I love God. it. I no longer have a co-host. It's just me talking to myself. <laughs> and then Kieran every so often saying something. Yeah. <laughs> so, Kieran, Kieran, final thoughts? Oh, I'll go first. Yeah. Um, yeah. I like it. I think it's fun to watch. I think it's never boring. I think it is a little bit irresponsible. And <laughs> the score is, uh, is good. And it's <laughs> very goosebumpy. Mm-hmm. In, in some ways and Al gets a thumbs up for me in this film <laughs> yeah yeah Laura, agreed agreed yeah I'm really pro this movie I think it's as I've said so many times uh really silly and I think that's great I think that Al should get to be more silly in future oh, just you uh, clearly <laughs> he leads into that I don't think we'll have a problem <laughs> I don't think we have a problem with that but yeah, yeah amazing. Yeah. yeah, the score is probably the best thing about this movie. I'm happy to admit mm-hmm. that. Um, but yeah, I just think that like you know, I think that it it's fun to like after a couple of movies that have sort of been 
tone, like, just kind of, I feel like he just hasn't been, you know, it's kind of like we flipped the script completely, right? Like, he was, like, down here last mm-hmm. time, and now he's, like, up here. Yeah, and it was just yeah. a nice, it made a nice change, you know? I like to see Alfredo put on a silly shirt and have some <laughs> fun. And, yeah, thanks, Brian, uh, for letting him do that. I really enjoyed it. Great. Yeah. Maddie. Bad, 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 bad movie, <laughs> but like that's fine. Um, I think I think really this is just like a very much a case of like not for me. Like it's just not for me, and that's fine. Like I don't think that anyone like did a bad job with this. I I mean that's not true. I think Al isn't great, but I don't think that like I think he's I think they're like doing the right thing for the movie. I just don't like the movie. Like and that's okay. Like I'm asking for it to be something that it isn't. That is okay. And, like, that's fine. But um, yeah. I'm glad. I'm glad we're doing some some weird stuff. We're getting into like weird territory with with Al. We're getting into the like, yeah, kind of more interesting choices that he makes. You're meant to be the stan, Maddie. Honestly, think, yeah. like you're the one meant to be defending this. I think I want different things <laughs> out of him because I like him. Like I think I think I like require different things from him. You just want the best for him, and he's letting exactly. you down. Exactly. Yeah, and next week we are really. <laughs> going for it we're doing revolution next week which What's i have next? not seen which is the first one the first one that i haven't seen Ooh. so um that's exciting Ooh, and there what are a multiple cuts and i'm gonna try and find the one that is the least bad but um oh god who's that by i don't know <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh it's the guy who did what did he do oh he did something like good oh he did chariots of fire that's oh sure yeah okay Hugh Hudson, that's who did. Yes, there you go. Wow. Um, Great. An absolute disaster to the extent that Al then did not make a movie for four years, four years, five years, four years. Great. I can't wait. I went to live on Diane Keaton's sofa (laughs) in her house. Um, (laughs) No, on her sofa. (laughs) It's just like... I hope he was just on her sofa even though they were dating. (laughs) Like, just constantly relegated to the sofa. She's just like, I need a room. He'd fit on it. Yeah, yeah, he'd fit on it because he's Latin. Um, <laughs> yeah. Well. Okay, I have one request. Uh, yes. I've just seen that Robbie Coltrane is in this, this next mm-hmm. film, so I'd like you to mention whether he's good or not. Okay, okay. He plays a character called New York Burger. Great, great. <laughs> Already I'm sold. <laughs> I know someone who knows Robbie Coltrane, or like knows his oh, really? son. Anyway, that's not that I interesting. Think it's interesting. Yeah. Um, Maybe we'll get into that in the next episode. Um, cool. Good. Shall I do the wrap-up stuff? Thanks for listening. Yeah, let's do the wrap-up. Uh, people listening, please, you know, follow us on Twitter and Instagram and all those wonderful places and leave us a review if you're using an application that allows you to do that. Um, as we said, we are watching Revolution <laughs> next week, which may or may not be good. We have literally no clue. Um, yeah. That's everything. That's all I have to say. Kieran, where should people follow you? Yeah. Oh my god. You, can't, you just let Kieran like. Kieran, thanks for coming on the podcast, Kieran. No. <laughs> people can follow me wherever. I mean, if they can just go through, just go through either Maddie or Lara's following lists. I'm not really at my my at, and they can try and they can try and find. I can link yeah. it. I'll link it. I'll link it you in the notes. My at is the French bastardization of my surname. Um, and I'm attached. It's Great. crap, but Great. I'm attached to it, and um, it's not a change. 
Perfect. Okay. okay. There we have Can it. Fun calm music. Say goodbye to our little podcast. <laughs> no. a major cinephile. You complete me! Yeah.